and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined by a somber Stu Lennon today. Hey, Stu, how Cyprus did you want to take a moment of silence for our conversation we started last week and, well, just did not go at all the way that we had hoped? Yeah, indeed, yes. Um, we, we were right to be worried. Uh, it turned out. So yes, RIP QE2, or uh, the end of the Elizabethan era, or the second Elizabethan era, if you like. Um, it's quite something watching watching <laughs> what's going on in the UK, um, which I'll be able to do from much closer up because I'm, I'm flying there tomorrow. Uh, very exciting. As we record, it'll be in the past as you're listening. So, the magic of podcasting. What about you, Justin, how's Cyprus? How's Cyprus? How would you know how Cyprus is? How's Canada? Uh, my area is particularly smoky. We've had air quality index warnings. Uh, it was decidedly unhealthy the other day. It was, uh, do not leave the house if you, unless you need to. Just the way that the wind is blowing and all the fires are kicking around. Boy, global warming, it's, it's a thing, I guess. Um, I'm looking forward to this all going away and even our, our golf that we were going to do the other day. Yes. Stu is having an effect on me. I was going to go golfing with a neighbor. Uh, we even kind of abandoned that because the smoke and some rain that's coming along with it, more thunder showers. I have a dog stew that barks at the thunder. It's bad enough trying to sleep through a thunder shower, but having the dog lying on the bed, barking back at the, at the noise that she didn't like, it made for some very sleepless nights. <laughs> oh dear, I'm sorry. I've got, I've got, uh, what do I have? I have opposites. So, uh, the, the, the girl dog spice is completely unbothered by, uh, bangs, flashes, any of that, just not interested. The, the boy, Charlie is terrified of bangs. Um, he will run into a burning building. Uh, he would undoubtedly leap in front of a bullet. He will pick a fight with the biggest German shepherd or pit bull, but the sound of a shotgun or a clap of thunder, and he is behind my legs quivering. Oh, sounds like me with spiders. <laughs> or me with snakes. Mm. I, I got a confession to make, Stu. You know how I said last week, um, Apple didn't particularly wow me with the whole mm -hmm. iPhone presentation. I uh, managed to end up ordering a new iPhone for myself. Of course you did. Why? Well, Jason Snell, surprisingly enough, from the ah, right, Upgrade okay. podcast. I'm blaming him because I, I'd I, send him the bill. Yeah. Um, he was talking about the satellite connectivity that is coming in North America to the new iPhones. And this satellite connectivity, if you're not sure what it is, uh, if you don't, if you're not in an area of cell service, you can make a satellite emergency call. And when Apple was doing its presentation, I'm not an extreme sports person. I don't need a, well, a, a brick on my watch because I'm running the Serengeti. I'm... I, I'm just fine. I'm a normal guy. I don't need any of this stuff. And I'm not out on a yacht. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing any of these things. But Jason Snell was making the comment 
that he drove through the mountains where there was no cell reception. And that made me think really, really hard because guess what I do? I drive through the mountains where there's no cell reception in the middle of winter, as I'm going to have to go back and forth to work a lot more than I did last year when I had a convenient excuse of a wife with cancer. And that made it sort of an instant purchase for it because the mountain passes up here are sketchy at the best of times. Um, and uh, I just thought, yeah, there's, there's a use case for it. I'm kind of also, you know, justifying it on my phone. I'll go to my daughter, uh -huh. the hand-me-down chain, uh, and I get a nice new camera. Uh, but, oh my God, the color choice of these ones is brutal, Stu. <laughs> what did you get? Did you go for the uh, iPhone 14 Pro Max Plus Ultra Super Big? Well, as we've mentioned before, I have crappy eyesight, so I have to have the Pro Max, so I stand any chance of seeing the phone without putting my glasses on. Oh, well, I mean, I think you can see those things from space, so you'll have no problem at all. Uh, space may have better glasses than I do, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I went for the 14 Pro and the Pro Max, of course, because I wanted the big one. Uh, if I'm going to go for a phone, I'm going to go for the top of the line because, let's face it, the 14 is just a 13 with a new label on it. Um, I think I had a choice out of a muted, uh, purple, a muted gold, a silver that looks white and a flat black. And boy, was I uninspired by any of those. Mm. Uh, I did pick the, the black. Um, I ordered a nice orange case from Apple, a nice leather case. Um, and then Apple lovely people that they are delivered that this week. So I've been looking all week at a lovely orange empty case that I have to wait to get my phone for. So yeah. it was, it's, it's like a kick in the teeth, isn't it? It's kind of traditional though. It's, it's, it has ever been thus that your case arrives at least a week before your device. Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was a little, uh, brutal with the, the ordering process. I'm going to save the rent for something else for another time <laughs> or a blog post or something else. Uh -huh. uh, I did get some more. Uh, did you, did you decide if you're going to go for anything? You're, you're on the 13 mini. So I'm assuming that you have no 14 pro mini to go to. You're going to be comfortable staying where you are. I, yeah, I, I mean, the contrarian in me wants to buy three or four minis and just, you know, have them on standby ready. Um, once my batteries start failing, but uh, no, the phones, I had no interest in those. Um, I have, well, sort of ordered uh, the uh, AirPods Pro 2s. Um, I say sort of ordered because it's through the reseller here in Cyprus uh, who, <laughs> sort of, who sort of says, well, yes, would you like to order? Yes. Uh, would you like delivery or pickup? I'll pick them up. Uh, would you like to pay for them now or pay for them when you pick them up? I'll pay for them when I pick them up. Still no mention of a delivery date, though. I mean, not not even a delivery year, let alone months. I, I do so, recall this was the guy that uh, took your pre-order for the phone mm. and never called you, and you happened to be in the store and said, hey, do you have those? And he said, yes. And you said, I'll take one. Is that not the same guy? Uh, well, he had one of them. He had my wife's. So we got, we got hers, um, but he still didn't have mine, mm. uh, the Mini. Uh, so I had to, to wait another month or something for that. But yes, so I haven't really ordered anything. But my my pros, uh, yeah, I'm touching wood as I say this. 
they do both have little cracks on them. Um, the batteries are to date holding up okay because I got them kind of when the pros came out, so there's like two years now. Um, so I'm hoping that they will they will continue to serve me until the Pro Twos get as far as uh, Cyprus because. I'm leaving the UK the day before they're released. Mm. Dash it. Dang. Ah, well, good try, though. Mm. I, I have not yet pulled the pin on anything else, and I'm saying I'm not going to, but I got to be honest, I have no use for that silly big watch that they've got uh-huh. uh, until I saw some pictures of it compared to a regular watch on Twitter All right. uh, from one of the hands-on reviewers and went, Oh, it's different. It's not the same boring watch that they've had for the last 10 years. And there was a little part of me that went, oh, I like different uh, because I'm really having a, well, I wouldn't even say love hate anymore, just a hate relationship. I like what the Apple watch can do. I'm just so over that style. I want something fashionable that looks like a, a nice proper watch mm-hmm. um, or no watch at all. I'd like, I'd be very, very happy with just a band for my opposite wrist, mm-hmm. but this, this same boring look, it's, it's, I'm tired of it. I want something new. This is new, but it's also, well, up here it's 1100 bucks new. Um, and I, I can't quite bring myself on a three-year watch that uh, will will have the minimal use that it will for me because again, not the extreme sports kind of guy up here. Indeed. Yeah. Well, um, well perhaps next year you'll want to run the Serengeti and it will all change. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, it depends on who's chasing me, Stu. <laughs> uh, we got some more cool listener feedback this week, uh, from Lisa S. Uh, she was following up with us on our reading episode managing reading that we did a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. and she was talking about uh goodreads and pointing out that her and her friends have largely abandoned it for a private system uh because well there's various bad things amazon goodreads uh harassment and attacks on authors and i i've seen some of that um my mother-in-law is sort of a an author of some kids books okay and uh it's it's one of the topics that uh, she gets pretty riled up on with the treatment of authors by amazon uh, especially for like their print on demand stuff and their ebooks and stuff and mm. um so i i can understand some of that i'm not too into that world of what all the problems are however she did recommend a, a new site and a new site for me always gets me excited uh this one is librarything.com and uh, Lisa's used it for decades. It's a book cataloging site, um, almost entirely owned by the guy who created it, Tim Spaulding. Um, he has given a small stake to Amazon so he could have access to the Amazon database so he can get all the book information, which is actually very useful. Uh, you can use it as a website. Uh, there is a library thing app on iOS or Android, which scans the barcodes on the back of your books, um, or you can enter them by hand, uh, but it works really, really well. The app sucks in all the publication library metadata for a work, including DVDs and eBooks. And then you can add the book to your personal catalog from there. It's a bit like a private library, uh, sort of Goodreads type of thing, but uh, a little less 
well, um, Amazon-y, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I've tried it. I, I, I even downloaded the app. I mean, you, you know me and how my little junk I like on my phone. Yes. I, the phone that I just spent almost $2,000 for a new one. Um, <laughs> the one that I don't like to put apps on. Uh, I put the app. It works remarkably well. The price is right. It's a passion project. Used to be a subscription service, and uh, they did well enough that they managed to make it free. Um, it can connect to your Amazon account. I'm I'm really leery of people sort of getting my credentials, uh, but that's just you know the 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 nerd in me that says oh I, I you know the more leaks I I don't want to be locked out of my Amazon kind of like Stu so uh, <laughs> I'm very nervous about that. Um, it looks to be very have a very active community base, um, and I I keep getting these emails from Goodreads telling me of all the changes they're making and deleting my data and stuff like that. I'm, I'm thinking this is a good alternative for me. Uh, I've scanned a few books um, and I've even maybe added a task to my task manager to go through, well, I think a book sale at a time and, and scanning even more of the stuff that I have, but really cool. All right. Well, I shall, I shall have a look at it. I'm, I've never heard of it. So I shall dive in uh, probably when I get back from the UK and uh, see what I think. Mm. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that on the way. That's uh, well, you you might have time in the airplane though. Uh, so, um, try trying to get your phone out and uh, you know sit in the seat with uh, three people wedged in beside you, <laughs> and, and and the person laying back and the yeah. tray right in front of you. I don't I don't think you'll have a a good flight on that. This is where my uh, iPad Mini is going to come into its own. <laughs> it's uh, just about the only thing you can get on one of those tray tables these days. Yeah, no kidding. All right, Stu, what's your tool of the week this week? Uh, my tool of the week? Uh, well, I don't know, really. Uh, I, I wrote Double Trouble. Um, the I, I'm not. Am I a monarchist? Am I a royalist? I suppose I'd rather have a royal family than not have one. So I guess it puts me in that camp. Um, but I didn't realize quite how much I'd be I'd be upset by the Queen passing away. I mean, she's an old lady. It, it can't be completely unexpected that she would at some point pass away. Apparently, mortality comes to us all. But it just really feels like something very significant in the UK. Um, you know, truly an end of an era. And just that with all of the sort of political sort of polemic nonsense that appears to have taken over the world over the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years, six, seven years, something like that. Yeah, I'm just really nervous. I mean, the police have been arresting people who were uh, either haranguing Prince Andrew for his well, his dubious choice in friends and uh, his uh, interesting way of demonstrating innocence by giving uh, a woman who claimed that he had wronged her, shall we say, uh, a huge amount of money. Um, and others saying, you know, sort of, you know, not my king. That was another one, I think. And the police, uh, recently there was a law passed in the UK uh, allowing the police sort of greater discretion in determining what might cause a breach of the peace, which is is very un-British. I mean, that sort of thing happens in in Europe and it happens in the states because the sort of policing is by is by force. You know, the the police have big guns and they tell you what to do, and if you don't do it, they shoot you. 
that, it doesn't work like that way in the UK. Um, the, you know, the police have, I think, pepper spray if they're lucky. Um, and so it, policing by consent is the sort of boastful claim that we have. But I just, I just don't like the idea of the police saying, oh, no, no, you can't protest. Don't get me wrong. It's a funeral or, a, I suppose, a, a run-up to a funeral. These people are grieving. I'm not sure I'm terribly behind people shouting slogans at them or uh, being abusive to them. But you know, certainly in the case of Prince Andrew, he, he's brought it upon himself. Um, I, um, I just don't like the idea of the police getting involved. I, I suppose I'm old-fashioned, because in the old days, somebody else in the crowd would have gone over to the protester and just punched him. And the protester would have fallen over. The, he would have said to the police, I've been attacked, I've been assaulted. The policeman would say, oh, I'm terribly sorry, sir, but there's so many people that think you're an idiot. Uh, it's difficult to know who to arrest. And, and the whole thing would just sort of gone away in a very democratic sense. But um, just the idea of the police saying, no, you can't say that. Mm, that that's wrong. And a lot of the respect, I think, that the, the British people have for the monarchy was probably enshrined in the Queen. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much of that is going to going to translate across. So that's been sort of I don't know why it's some sort of existential dread, and it's utter nonsense. I mean, I live a long way away from there, and I don't think the UK is suddenly going to burst into civil war. But um, just hmm. well, they might do when you get there tomorrow. <laughs> well, that's possible. I might start it. Um, and yeah, that's the other thing that's that's bugging me. I've uh, I, I I guess I'm out of practice. I guess I'm increasingly curmudgeonly. Um, and yeah, I'm traveling tomorrow, which is a pastime that I find decreasingly enjoyable, uh, decreasingly elegant, uh, and decreasingly enriching. So yeah, oh, travel. Must I? Really? Anyone? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Never mind. What about you? What have you been, what's been your tool of the week? Well, as far as I'm just going to comment on the queen's death, because mm. I am definitely not a monarchist. Uh, or royalist or whatever you call them. I've got very little interest in in sort of the royal family. Um, but the Queen's death actually really shook me up. There were quite a few tears in, in this house uh, over over that. And I think, you know what, as you said, there's a, there's a change coming. The family, well, the family's uh, one step up from the Kardashians, as far as I'm concerned, in all the stuff that they do. Um, they, you know, I, I, again, I, I'm not getting into the politics of who did what, but they just seem to not have that stiff upper lip, the royalty that the queen had. And I never realized that, uh, that respect, that internal respect that I had for the queen, just because she kept out of all the stuff, you know, she really didn't go into the trenches and get dirty with the fighting that the kids have done. Um, you know, looking at uh, King Charles, as he's now known, uh, and his couple of uh, dust-ups over fountain pens the last couple of days. Um, yeah, I just think uh, we have we have lost the end of the era there. Or it, the, the Queen is gone, and I, I don't think it'll ever be the same. Mm. You know, I mean, everything changes, everything will be different, but that level of true royalty that she embodied I don't think you're going to get that again. So, yes, it was a sad moment. Uh, I was very sad to hear that. More sad than I would have expected for somebody that 
generally doesn't follow any of that stuff. So yeah. Um, God rest her soul. Poor lady. Mm. Anyway, uh, for me, oh, I, I've got a, a deep, dark dive down the productivity nerd space, Stu. You're going to love this. Actually, you're not. You're probably not because you don't use it. <laughs> you, you probably don't use OmniFocus, so you're, you're safe on this one. So I started coming in from, I'm on the OmniFocus developer Slack. So this is where all of the uh, really inter people interested in uh, the OmniFocus group of products hang out and talk things like automation and stuff like that and i came into a recommendation of some uh, somebody called scotty j who set up some automations and, a, and an interesting workflow to basically take everything out and put it into a daily note which sounds less impressive than it is um but Scotty J uses an app called Agenda. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it or used it, Stu. I did. I gave it a try um, oh, last year sometime. Date-driven notes, which is really interesting. Something that I use for work. Basically, these are all the notes that I would take into my bullet journal now could be digitized and can be automated and really, really neat functions with it. So each day comes up, each note comes up with a date. You can pin a note to a forward date. So for example, one of the things I'm working on at the moment is um, urine stuff for clothes that I've got coming up. And I've got a list of things that I will need to look at. And I'm just writing a bunch of notes for myself. And I've got this particular note pinned out to the end of the month so that when the time is right, I have easy access to it. Uh, it's date driven. It's taggable. It's searchable. It's a really neat central repository. And the idea of it being date driven is really kind of clicking with me. You can set up categories and projects. Um, but the, the automation here takes a, it creates a daily note it pulls from my calendar it pulls from my omnifocus tasks and it puts those into a daily note to show me just the things that i need to do if i click on something as done in agenda it actually automates back and closes it off in omnifocus as well uh, the key part of that is there is also a rapid log section for the day and if you go back to your bullet journal 101, that's just where you capture everything and then figure out what to do with it. Um, and this rapid note is a shortcut entry that I can hit a note for something that I want to refer to later, something that I did, a conversation that I had during the day. Uh, I can also tie that back to my project manager if I need to do that and add uh, all kinds of automation to do that. I can do subtasks. It's just a really, really slick, neat capture tool. One of the things we've talked about when we were doing the uh, episode on uh, task managers was the fact that I like to close mine because otherwise you end up working your task manager, much like some people live in email all day long. And this is a great way to do it because I, I can access my task manager by completing things. I don't have to go through and close them at the end of the day but I can't really 
change anything. I'm, I'm not managing the task manager. I could just put new tasks in there. So it works really complementary to it. I find I'm taking a lot less handwritten notes with it. They're all going into this rapid log section, which is date driven and it's recordable. It's really, really slick. I then in installed shortcuts for Stream Deck and using Keyboard Maestro. I have buttons for all this stuff to work on my screen, Stream Deck, as well as with some keyboard shortcuts. So this is really, really cool automation stuff. It's, it's kind of like I've been doing with drafts, but it's all in one place and it keeps a, a date driven log of what I've been doing on that day, which is just, I think going to be incredibly valuable in the future. When I want to refer back to when did I do that? When did I do this? The capture is so quick on this. It's, it's really, really slick. I can take emails, websites, and put those into the rapid log as well. It's just got all, all the functions. So I, I threw uh, Scotty J uh, a little thank you. He's got a tip jar, um, but really, really loving this. I've just been running this week and uh, it's absolutely fantastic. I did have one problem to do with syncing of some task managers reached out to Scotty J and got some one-on-one -on -one coaching of how to fix it too. Wow. Uh, just a really cool setup, uh, from, from a great guy. Uh, there is a link to his website in here. He's got some really cool stuff on it, but take a look at it. Cause it's, it's just really neat. He's, he's the kind of stuff I'd love to do this with, with shortcuts. But one of the things with shortcuts, I can never think of anything this complex enough to do that makes my life worthwhile and this is just like the best of shortcuts that i've ever used mm, well i mean scotty J is is one half of nested folders isn't he with uh, rosemary orchard oh is he uh and that is oh yeah 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 and that is one woman who can automate um so you 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 have definitely at, blundered into automate automation central there um oh yes so so yeah nested folders podcast uh shout out for them it's a great podcast uh if automation is your thing. Um, and well, obviously nested folders is a, a phrase that comes from getting things done. So, you know, it's all about productivity. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a lovely fellow. He's not very well. He's got some, some health challenges at the moment. Um, and nevertheless, he, <laughs> he's soldiering on with the, with the podcast. And yeah, it, it sounds, I mean, what, what, what would I, the first thing I wrote when I read all that was you don't get out much, do you? Pretty much. Um, cause it, <laughs> this is, this is nerd, nerd for the nerd, this, um, but it's, it's, you and I've discussed this many times. It's that whole sort of, uh, the daily note type setup, which you can do in a million and one ways. You can do it actually in your task manager. You can do it through things like obsidian. You can do it through, um, specific apps like agenda another one that i came across today was um quarter plan but it's ios so not really my bag um which is on setup which i found just because i was checking something else and there's one called note plan which i appreciate you've now got a a flow you're probably happy with but when you do have an hour to kill have a look at note plan which is on setup um really really nice guy developing it very responsive uh similar to agenda in some ways and slightly different in others um but yeah it's about finding that thing that talks to you what whatever it might be whether it 
uh, a bullet journal on paper or an app or a workflow or a combination of all of those, it's finding something that just clicks with the way that you want to work and the way that you think. And it sounds like you have. So Yeah, I'm pretty excited with it. One of the problems with a bullet journal, because this is basically a similar to my bullet journal in a digital form. I've had to go back and look for things and there's nothing worse than having to flick page after page, trying to remember when it is. And we've, we've talked about this. I mean, this is the whole reason that you're playing with the remarkable. I've got this expensive Lamy notebook, how to digitize notes. And this is sort of cutting out the analog part of that because for some things, and this is purely jobby job thing for me, uh, because I can't really see myself having a use case for this in my daily life, in my personal life, but in, in my jobby job, this is exactly what I wanted. And especially with all the quick captures, it's so much quicker than pretty much anything else that I've come across in terms of workflow. And that's really the point of friction for me. Which is quicker, pick up a pen and write in the book that's right next to my right hand here, or mm -hmm. type something in. And this does everything so much quicker. And that's where the advantage is. So if you're an OmniFocus user and you're a nerd and you like that, check it out. Uh, even if not, take a look and see, because I think there are ideas in automation that you could then try to incorporate in some of your other apps. You know, maybe there's an Obsidian plugin that does something similar. Oh, for sure there are, yeah. If you're in that world. But the idea of this quick capture without having to have stuff living on your desk all the time that, you, that is a an attention grab. Yep. That's what I don't like. You know, I have the Agenda app open. I don't have to have it open and looking at it because this is a keyboard shortcut and a button on my stream deck that I could just push and capture. And that is so slick and so quick. And it just goes into one spot. It's beautiful. Really, really well done. So I, I haven't listened to nested folders podcast again. I'm, I'm not tending to be in the nerd side when it comes to automation, largely because I sometimes think I could have just done that in a 10th of the time. And I probably won't need to do it again and again and again. So what's the point in figuring out this automation thing? True. But this is one of those things that actually does work for me. All right. Nerd, nerd speak over. Let's get on to writing stew. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, as you said, there's, there's something really attractive about the, um, the sort of the completely bare desk where you just have the keyboard. Um, you don't even have a mouse in my mind's eye. <laughs> You're just using keyboard shortcuts. Uh, you just click into things and, and these things flow. I mean, the, the, the clue is in the name, the workflow. If you have a, a workflow that really speaks to you and becomes automatic, then you become very, very efficient. Just like some people are extremely efficient with a notebook because they've been using it for so many years. They've got a planner set up. They use bullet journal, whatever it might be. Um, and then there's the sort of, you know, I, I suppose everyone else who sits somewhere in the middle and finds, uh, you know, th there's a reason that there is a whole market of um, notepads that sit next to your keyboard <laughs> or post-its, I suppose is the most basic form, because people do find that sort of analog thing useful alongside their digital workflows. But there is something really nice about the pure one, whether it be a pure digital one or a pure analog one. 
Oh, certainly. Yeah. I, and I think that's the attraction of this is it's just so quick. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, Stu, let's talk pens. Okay. What, what do you do? Because you've, you've got a big trip coming. So are the three big pelotons going with you or what's happening? Well, um, I've I've still been working with the uh, with the pelicans. Uh, just today, actually, one of them uh, has has I was going to say expired, but that's the wrong word. It's run out of ink. Uh, so the eight hundred five, the big one, um, is currently soaking. I've given it a few flushes. I'm just letting the water sit in there for a while. Uh, the M six hundred is in my hand right now. That's the vibrant orange one, which is uh, is a beautiful pen. Uh, and that, looking at the ink, uh, because it's got a see through reservoir. Um, that will probably make it to the end of my my uh, podcasting today and will therefore be clean tomorrow before I go. Uh, so that'll leave me just the little star ruby, uh, the the little baby one, the 205, with the uh, stainless steel nib. Stationary for the trip, uh, I suppose this follows on a lot from what you were saying. I'm not taking my journals, uh, partly because my, my sort of... Um, Naval gazing journal is huge. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big B5 from Bomo Art. It's massive and it weighs a ton. Um, and then a couple of other sort of journals that I'm keeping going at the moment are A5. And that's adding a lot of weight to your hand luggage. So I'm going to have a field note Ooh. and uh, an EDC pen. Uh, and I'm going to sort of just do everything in that for this trip. This is going to be my trip notebook. It's going to cover everything I need to do. I also will have the Remarkable with me, so I've got an electronic option if I need it. And then if there are things that uh, I think are of value here, I'm going to go through that that horribly inefficient, old-fashioned process of going, I'm going to transcribe that back to my main journal or whatever. Um, but it just allows me to, to go back to that sort of pocket notebook lifestyle. So I'm taking... Uh, the one I've got is a um, USA Letterpress by Field Notes. This is the one that was designed by Erin Beckloth. Um, it's a really cool uh, sort of yellow cover with lots of printing e-press stuff on it. Uh, it it's uh, a grid or squared, if you like, squared paper, graph paper, uh, in light brown. And I'm taking with it the... Um, I'm not sure if you've got one of these. Uh, the Mark II from Studio Neat. No, I don't. Uh, which is a little, yeah, it's a, it's a, a sort of really robust EDC type pen. Mm. And that's the only stationery I'm taking with me. <laughs> God. Boy, we've had a moment of silence for the Queen. <laughs> uh, we may need to have a moment of silence for Stu's pens. This is unheard of. Yeah, just just for this, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go very very low key. I've got. Um, I'm bringing back my Mac Studio in hand luggage, so um, every, every centimeter counts at the moment. Yeah, that's true. What uh, what tech are you taking to work on or work with while you're over there? Um, I I'm the worky bit. Uh, the first part of the work is sort of in store auditing, so I will use the Remarkable for that. Uh, I'm just sort of. I have a, I've created a PDF template uh, for my sort of audit work where I'll just go through the questions I need to ask people, uh, take notes, um, they'll all be digitalized, uh, and then they can be turned into, you know, OCR. Uh, so that'll be quite handy and quite interesting. It'd be good to see how that workflow works anyway. Mm -hmm. um, 
I will also then be running, um, I'll be doing a seminar, a presentation. So I've got my uh, MacBook Air will be running. Uh, it's not, it's not uh, whatever the, the Apple one is called, slideshow. It's um, Keynote. Yes, yeah, it's not Keynote, it's PowerPoint. Um, Oof. Just because um, yeah, the corporate stuff all still lives in, in the Microsoft world, unfortunately. So um, I will be running from that to do my presentation. I've got a really nice little Satechi um, presenter. So it's like a little tube. It's like a cigar um, sort of shape that I can advance the slides on the, on the laptop. And also it has a laser pointer. So I can point it at the actual screens and... Uh, and point it in the eyes of anybody who looks like they're dropping off, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and I will have my my little iPad mini because I'll probably watch some some TV and stuff on, on the way over. Yeah, and, of course, the ever-present phone. So I've, I'll have quite a lot of tech for quite a short trip. That's just what I was thinking. It's I, I could just imagine you coming back from customs and getting grief over the new phone or the new computer as well as all the other computers you've got. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, though, uh, the, that that will be coming through Cypriot Customs, where um, you know I know all the magic words, and we can we can just have a little bit of a laugh. It will be fine. Nothing to declare. Uh, well, I, I don't need to declare it. I don't think there's any any. Um, I don't think I'm breaking any laws. Um, and I I think you know they're probably more interested in proper illicit stuff, which is not my bag. Oh, yeah, you haven't come to Canada. Uh, Canada's a uh, big thing. They don't really care what it is, uh, drugs, guns, whatever. All they care about is how much is it worth and how much can we tax you on it? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well you've, you've frightened me now, thank you. But no, I, I imagine I'll be okay with that sort of stuff. Uh, that's all good. You just get out the wallet and you throw money at the problem and it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Penwise? What are you working with? Well, I've, I've not got a new pen. Surprisingly enough, um, with this new workflow, I'm going through less ink. Hey, there's a thought, eh? If you're, if you don't uh -huh. write and you type it all in, there you go. Um, this week I have been largely, uh, on my sand colored, uh, Leonardo Memento Zero. Uh, it is filled with, I can't remember what the ink was. I'd have to refer to the show notes from a couple of weeks ago, but it's a brown, lovely sandy brown color. And it's just felt very regal. And I've, I've, as I say, I've been sat over the queen and this just kind of felt like the right pen. So that's what I've been writing with. All my notes are brown this week, which is odd, but uh, there you go. I, I do need a Mont Blanc 149 solitaire that leaks and gets me grumpy uh, <laughs> because I, I need to be like the king. But uh, no, uh, this is this is an absolute lovely pen. Um, I'm not sure where, where we'll go next week. What pens? Maybe I'll just get bored because I've been writing with the same ones for a few weeks now. Who knows? Uh, I'm just really enjoying the writing that I do do, even though there is less of it. Super duper. That's what it should be about. Mm-hmm. All right, Stu, our topic this week is managing data. Uh, you've got some great notes here, so I'm going to let you talk about data a little bit uh, to, to lead off the conversation. Okay, all right. Well, managing data. Um, why can two old men talk about managing data? Well, we've had a lot of data for a long time. Um, <laughs> well said. So um, I, at university, wrote well, my university degree was a thing called independent studies um 
which sounded such a hoot to young me. Uh, it sounded very much like it wouldn't have to do any work, um, which was really attractive to young me, who whose mind was on other things, I have to say. So um, I was writing a dissertation um, on a subject of my own choice. All I had to do was find a supervisor who would be prepared to market. So it was almost like a sort of... Uh, master's PhD type format, but as a, as a bachelor's degree. Um, and so I found the most memorably named uh, university professor in history. Um, I don't know if he's still around, but uh, you, you will remember his name once I say it to you. Scott Lash. Oh, Professor Scott Lash. He was my super. Uh, and I was writing uh, on postmodernism in the media. Um, a couple of things that I should tell you at this point. One, no, I don't know what it means either. And two, no, it wasn't very interesting. <laughs> Did you know, I, could you hear my keyboard that I was just Googling what that meant? <laughs> um, post, postmodernism in itself is, is, is uh, well, is... It's, I was about to say it's interesting. It's not, but uh, it, it is remarkable. And uh, looking at how that was influencing the media was something that appealed to me. But you know, the, I, this was a guy who who you know read Marx and all that sort of stuff. That's where I was in 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 the world at that time. I was the, the world was desperately unfair. I just read the Wikipedia dis description of postmodernism, and I still can't tell you what the hell it says. <laughs> Yep, that's definitely the right thing then. You're in the right place. Um, so I was writing uh, this stuff and I wrote it, or wrote at least a draft of it, on uh, the Amstrad PCW8512, which I don't mind telling you was state-of-the-art at the time, uh, which was a big, big box of a monitor <laughs> which had green text. Um, graphics were as yet a thing that we dreamt of. Um, and everything, the, the 8512 was the, the upgrade from the 8256. Uh, so 512 was the, uh, was the kilobytes memory. <laughs> um, and, and of course everybody under the age of 40 is going, what's a kilobyte? Anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, it had three, it had two, three inch floppy drives on it, uh, which, through which you used to load the software uh, and preserve your writing. Um, it could do pretty much anything as long as it was word processing. Uh, it was run on a form of BASIC. Again, uh, I can hear all the young people Googling. Um, it, was, it was a wonderful machine. It was great. Had a huge dot matrix printer with it, uh, a <laughs> keyboard that you could use as a baseball bat. I mean, oh, it was fabulous. Um, and so I used to furiously type away into this thing, uh, mostly nonsense, but there you go. I, I put it all in there. And so when I finally left university, not having graduated, by the way, I never finished, which was a, was a slight, slightly careless oversight on my part. Um, and I, I had these discs, which then I think they, they probably stayed with me for probably 10 years, maybe 15. I don't know. Um, because once I left university, I decided that I was the corporate Cobra. It was going to be, it was going to be money for me. That was going to be my thing. Um, and so eventually I looked at these, these discs, which you, <laughs> they were three inch floppy discs. You shouldn't confuse those with 3.5 inch 
which A, lasted for a lot longer, uh, um, and B, had the backing of Sony. So 3.5-inch floppies are the floppies that most people think of. But in the UK, Amstrad and one other company, I think, went for the 3-inch floppy. <laughs> so by five years later, they were completely unusable anywhere. Um, and I, I just, I lost all of that data. There was, there was no way that I could... Um, I could access it unless I could go and buy an Amstrad PCW8512, which I wasn't going to do. Um, the things were written in a thing called LocoScript, which, I, again, I think was a sort of souped-up basic. <laughs> um, and um, it's that data, those words, that treaties, those writing were lost forever. If I'd wanted to keep them, I would have had to keep translating the data into more modern forms, I think, um, and sort of preserve the media, change the media, duplicate the media. Uh, because keeping your data sort of usable is really hard. Um, and I know this because I had to do it for the, in the corporate stuff because I was the, the compliance guy and all of that jazz. Um, it occurred to me <laughs> that just putting all the stuff into an archive drive is great unless somebody wants it. And in the case of compliance, that somebody tends to be a police officer um, who's threatening to do all sorts of unspeakable things to you if you don't produce it. So we, I started pulling stuff out of archives and realized that lots of it was very corrupted and was unreadable. And I think the harsh reality was that for many, many companies in the of the 90s and maybe even the early noughties, a lot of the data that they thought they had <laughs> that they didn't have um, because they didn't have a way to access it because the software had moved on. I mean, Microsoft was famous for this, um, that, you know, Microsoft Word version 736.1 was not able to, to read anything from any previous version. Um, you had to go through a sort of translation. And even now, I think on Microsoft Word, you can save your document in five or six different Word formats, sort of making it backward compatible. And that's because, you know, software moves on and it's, I think, possibly because Microsoft doesn't care very much. Um, but it's a nightmare in terms of data preservation because those things that you've had sitting in an archive for 10 years how certain are you that you could actually read them with the software that you have? How certain are you that the data hasn't rotted? How certain are you that the drive hasn't corrupted or failed? Um, all of those are questions that you need to consider if you're thinking about managing your data. Um, and that's on its own quite scary. Um, so what you really need to be looking at, two simple questions, where do you put it? What format do you keep it in? Um, and this is going to horrify some people, but in many ways, the best thing to do is to print it. Oh, because because at the very at the very least, you could scan it afterwards. Um, <laughs> that sort of leads me on to considerations that I had. Um, did you ever go into Evernote, Justin? Were you an Evernote person? I never got into it a whole lot. Uh, I I have an account. I think it, I'm not sure. They're licensing because I didn't want to pay the extra silly money for it. 
Um, mm-hmm. it, it's always a juggling act of where I can access it from because, you know, you kind of got to stand on your head and turn around three times and uh, say the magic incantation to find out, is it licensed to this machine or do I have to act, deactivate this machine and log in on another one? Um, there's probably some interesting stuff in there from 20 years ago, but uh, I was I was never a big person for it, largely because capture was easy, getting it out and organizing it never really gelled for me. Yeah, I mean, it was it was fluffy. It was com- complex. It just had too much data. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Evernote was that it was the first real um, app that sort of tried to tie together the whole paperless concept. So um, it's you can have a little um, extension on your browser and you could clip things from the net, net web, sorry, and save them in your, in your Evernote notebooks. It was all set up along notebooks. It still is. Uh, you could uh, save normal files in there. You could... With your Fujitsu scanner called the Evernote scanner, you know, they had a branded one, uh, you would take all of your receipts, you know, so where you went to have some lunch on your business trip and the parking cost and the hotel bill, you would scan them all in because these stuff, these things didn't come by email. They were given to you across the counter. So you would scan them all in through your wonderful Evernote thing and you put it in your work expenses notebook and then from there you could make your and the you know paper was a thing of the past and so what i and everyone else who got into evernote did was put everything in there every bill from home so everything you had whoosh 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 and the scanner would facilitate that you could stack stuff on it and it would just shum, 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 and then leave you an enormous amount of files that you had to laboriously rename and then put them into the right places and organize it's just it says it was no fun but it was a kind of penance it was the hard yards if you were going to be a productive organized paperless warrior Ooh. And then at some point later, you would go, this is all nonsense. I'm just going to keep all this stuff in a file next to my desk, and I'm not going to use this anymore. And I'm just going to take all of this stuff. I'm going to put it onto my, my server. I'm going to back it up somewhere, and I'm going to make it the IT guy's problem. It's fine. Now, how do I get my stuff out of this? Right. Oh. So first of all, you have to go off to several forums to find the magic incantations to get your stuff out. And then you do. So you export everything and you get this huge file with that well-known and famous suffix NX, E-N-E-X. Hmm. So not .pdf, not .doc, not .dot, but .nx, which is about as much use as a chocolate teapot. So then you would go back to the forums and to the... Um, uh, reddits and you would find how you could unpack all of this stuff and as a consequence a lot of people that i know went whatever is in evernote will remain in evernote <laughs> they just drew a line and moved on to wherever they went and that's i suppose where for me i started getting very very nervous about data portability mm-hmm. and the, the the concern of whatever system or theory whatever you're doing 
I, and I'm, I assume I'm not alone, have a tendency to go all in on it. And the minute that you do that, you find yourself in a system where there's a huge amount of overhead to come out of it unless you choose wisely. Mm-hmm. So there are some systems that make it easy to go in and out and some that make it the opposite of easy. That would be difficult, I suppose. <laughs> you know, um, going back to my comment of uh, trying this new app agenda, it was certainly on my consideration. Where is the data stored? What is the impact? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all the stuff we talk about, all the stuff we're talking about now, how do you deal with it? And for what I'm doing, it's fine. It's, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can export to a markdown if I wanted, but you know what? I'm okay with it. Um, sure. Looking at the risk of losing your data, I think is really important as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think the, you know, the, the issues you're looking at are where is your stuff? Where does it live? Um, I suppose in the ideal world, for certainly for a curmudgeon like you or me, it's, I want that on my disc. That's where I want it on my disc where nobody can get to it. Um, but if it's not on your disc, which it might not be, because it might be in a, a cloud server, is it in your cloud server or is it in someone else's cloud server? There are different problems with both of those. But who controls access to it? That's the, the question you need to ask yourself. So um, the, the one that, that started this conversation for us was I've been using Craft. And so my documents live on my device, but inside a weird library. And they're sort of central. The source of truth is on their server. So if Craft were to shut its doors tomorrow, which I'm sure it won't, or if it were to be, I don't know, acquired by a big Microsoft, Google, you know, huge tech company, which it might, I don't know, would they turn around and say, you can't access your data? Very unlikely, but they could. And let's face it, if Google decides I'm not getting to my data, I'm not going to win any legal case against it. What? Not within my lifetime anyway. So that's another consideration. And the third consideration is what format is it in? Will you end up with NX files? Um, And some apps are much better at this than others. So going back to notes, which got me going on all this, um, I use lots of different writing apps because, well, I like writing and I like apps. Um, and I was a big fan of Ulysses. I still am a big fan of Ulysses and Ulysses is good. They're markdown files, but they're kind of in awkwardy sort of libraries, but you can get around it. You know, there's a little bit of Googling you can do. Uh, and you can also use things like Dropbox, um, where, uh, that's still not the end of your problems, but at least it's your account at Dropbox, not somebody else's. Um, IA Writer is a fantastic app. Um, German, I think, the guys. Um, very, very straightforward. Markdown files, very sort of stripped down. And those files live on your computer. You can sync them too, but they live on your computer. And that's the same with Obsidian. So the, the big appeal uh, of Obsidian versus something like Rome was Obsidian, the files are markdown files on your computer. Rome, they are up in some cloud controlled by someone else. Mm -hmm. Those are all the considerations, but I don't think that there's a perfect answer. No. Yeah. I think, you know, you've, you've nailed the problem with data stew. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if I really want to admit to this when, when we're talking in public, but 
I moved last year and at the old house, I'd been there for, well, decades. And so some of the stuff that I had been moving around as a young guy, when I was really into tech, kind of got put into one of the storage spaces. We had some big storage lofts there. Um, and I found things like uh, mini computer disk plotters, the 10 inch disk plotters for an early Wang computer. I found them the disk plates for an HP 3000 mini computer. I had, well, various floppy drives that I had, or floppy disks from the eight to the five and a quarter to the three and a half, uh, some single sided, some double sided. I had old computers. I had hard disks that I'd taken out of old computers and got rid of the computers. I had external drives. I had CD-ROMs, DVD-ROMs, just a lot of data, a lot of versions of backups and other things that, you know, I just, I didn't know what to do with it. And I sat down and I looked at, okay, what, what am I, what am I using right now? What do I need that could be on these? And I kind of looked at it and said, well, how much of this is actually of any value as well? I, despite the fact that, you know, we, we protect our data so much and we worry about it so much, what I would also challenge us is why do we have data? How much of it is outdated? How much of it do we, you know, a receipt from 1993, <laughs> does that have a lot of value for us anymore? You know, we've, we've scanned it, we've digitized it. Um, you know, I think by now most of us have got rid of our big files of dot matrix printouts of pages off the internet that uh, we kind of did in the early days. But the, the reality is that, you know, I had games on three and a quarter inch floppy disk. I don't even own a three and a quarter inch flop or three and a half inch floppy disk that works with any of my current computers for the last, what's that, 10 years. Uh, I've not had anything and any way to access those, but I still get those around because that's my data. You know, I, I might need it at some point. So I, I think sometimes, you know, the compliance officer in you is correct that we always have to keep the data and we always have to access it, but there's a cost to it. And I think sometimes with data been as inexpensive it is, as it is in this current day, we have a tendency to keep all the data. We throw it into uh, my absolute lovely drive me nuts blog post term or tech term, the cloud, mm. like the cloud is just this be all and end all. No, the cloud is a service that you contract to somebody to store things for you. It's, it's not as nebulous as the interwebs may want you to think, Ooh, that cloud, everything's stored in the cloud. No, it's just an external hard drive basically that you can access from anywhere, but everything's so cheap. We just keep adding and adding and adding to it. Um, what do you think? Do you, do you, do you store more than you need to at this point? Or have you oh. trimmed down what you, what you use? Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to trim down um because there's you know there's a sinister side to to what you're talking about there as well which is um you know if any of the the stuff you hold on to is in any way corporate or relates to um those those things those litigious things called customers then um you have all sorts of legal obligations with that data mm. so i've my my uh things <laughs> actually pinged up today that uh, i set up a task 
this was when I was using things many years ago to come back to haunt me now, um, is uh, I've set up a task because a lot of the documentation from the company that I sold expired 12 months ago insofar as nobody can legitimately ask me for any of that stuff as of 12 months ago. But being a compliance guy, I keep it for an extra year because, I don't know, we're just that's what compliance people do. We just add a year here and there. Um, but that data now, um, to all intents and purposes, must not exist, anything that relates to customers. So I have an obligation now to get rid of it. Um, and, you know, I know it's sitting out there on various and sundry different format, shape, size, hard disks, um, external hard disks that I will now have to, I'll, curiosity will force me to come and, and try and look at them. <laughs> and then uh, everything there will be Windows. Of course, I've got Apple computers. So, anyway, um, and then I've got to find a way of, of safely disposing of them and destroying all the data, making sure it's well and truly destroyed. So there'll be a lot of work with hammers and drills, I suspect, going on in, uh, when I get back from the UK. Well, that's okay. I think you just leave stuff out on the curb right and the people come by with the <laughs> with the little trucks and pick it up and it's all gone yeah look my yeah, data has yeah. all disappeared i don't know where it went exactly that's that's what i'm frightened of so um yeah i i do have too much um i've been pretty good moving countries helps with this because um particularly if you're having to pay for the moving yourself uh because you start sort of reducing weight quite quickly um but yeah, I do have too much. And that stuff that we keep digitally sort of not on a hard drive, but in that that wonderful thing called the cloud or Amazon Web Services, as it should more, more properly be called. Um, all that stuff there, it feels light and it feels free because you just slap it up there and it's all part of some charge that you pay Apple or you pay Dropbox or, or whatever. And you, you don't think about it anymore. Um, and I... I'm forever getting myself in trouble because I think, okay, I just want to have one of these drives and I want to manage it. I want to know what's where. And, uh, and then instantly some project comes up that they'll need me to use Dropbox or somebody else will need me to use the, um, whatever the uh, Microsoft one is called drive plus or one drive or whatever. One drive. I think it is. Yeah. So, um, I, I do, um, make a point annually of going through and saying, is there any stuff I can delete here? Uh, and then I go through the the usual terror that everybody goes through about, oh, shall I delete this? Shall I not delete that? Oh, have I deleted it forever? Oh, were, that, were those the honeymoon photos? Oh, uh, you know, so it all could get a little bit anxious. Uh, and it's sometimes much, much easier as you say to say, oh, I'll keep it. It's fine. <laughs> you never know. You never know. That's the most dangerous words when it comes to data, I think. Yeah. As, as a Mac guy, I have on my work computer. Uh, my downloads folder gets basically a copy of any digital files that I look at just the way that, uh, well, you know, I use a lot of Google stuff and, uh, Microsoft stuff and none of those can just open anything up. You know, you go to print something, it has to create a PDF and then you print that PDF. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very ugly on a Mac. Uh, and so my, my downloads folder gets more messy than I care to admit to. And I, I kind of need a time block to clean it up. It's one of those things that I haven't actually figured out the correct answer to, because some of the stuff that gets put in there, I probably want to keep mm -hmm. in sort of the corporate registry. Those very same documents that Stu is thinking about getting rid of now, 
I need to keep some of this for, you know, the next seven years. But some of it is, is just ephemeral and can go. And I haven't yet figured out the best way to do that. Uh, I've got Hazel. I've spent some time with Hazel. Mm. And this is again, one of those workflow questions we were talking about earlier when it comes down to the value that you spend in there. Uh, I can do that for this case and this case so that it identifies this and identifies this. But there are so many variables in the documents that I'm looking at, uh, you know, from vendor invoices and vendor correspondence to uh, different types of reports that I'm running that, well, it's, it, it's more time than it's worth to try to figure out uh, the automation of that. So I, I, I'm not sure what the answer to that is, but certainly um, scheduling a time block once in a while to go and clean that up is something that I um, do do, even though I should never admit to that on a productivity part, because there's got to be a better way. I'm just not sure what it is. Do you have any suggestions for what your download folder looks like and how it gets managed to? Uh, no, very similar. I use Hazel um, in very sort of broad brush strokes, as it were. Um, because ultimately that that's the the question that you have to resolve is which do I want to keep, which do I not want to keep? And I've no real way of automating that. You know, I, I look at stuff and go, I need to keep that. I don't need to keep that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, that uh, killed that thought right down pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's okay. It's all good. Uh, it's, it's a perennial problem. Listeners, if you can give us advice, what you do that uh, doesn't take huge investments in time to get there, Hazel in particular, um, would certainly love to hear from you. Uh, I'm just curious because uh, you talked about sometimes a fig- physical piece of paper is easier to keep than a digital one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do for physical and or um, scanning of physical stuff? I'm assuming living in Cyprus, you probably don't get a lot of physical stuff anymore. I'm assuming most things aren't mailed to you. They're all coming in via email, but, uh, what, what do you use for, for your paperwork slash digital process? Uh, well, I have, I have a scan snap by my side. Um, so I scan what, what I try to do is get rid of all paper as quickly as I can. Um, and most of it, I don't bother keeping anymore. So if I've paid um, my water charges here for the quarter or whatever, um, I, I write, I write on the thing that I've paid it, uh, and then when the next bill comes, then I throw away the old one. Should I keep them for, for ten years? I, I don't know. That's one of those ones where I think, well, I've never ever needed these, so I don't. I try and reduce the amount that I scan. Uh, Claire at Nero's, uh, she handles all the the stuff that comes in and she likes to describe herself as a techno fud. So uh, she takes photos of things that she thinks I might need to look at. Uh, she almost invariably takes photos of the wrong part of the thing that I might need to look at. So, so we have a, a good sort of three or four photo uh, exchange until I finally get say the bank details or whatever it is I'm looking for. In terms of what I'm keeping I, you know, I've got to the stage now where I don't keep bank statements or any of those things. Um, you know, I, d- I don't even download them. They they live in my my bank's app. But yeah, I try to be paperless. Having said that, if 
when I'm studying and, you know, there's a 25-page PDF, I quite often find the best thing to do is print it um, and then, you know, get rid of it. But uh, I do try and be digital mostly, yeah. What about you? Are you still scanning everything in? Have you got a little home scanner there? Weirdly, I don't. I have a small two-drawer filing cabinet that I periodically go through and the stuff that comes in, there's only a limited amount of it. I just have simple files and I just put them in there. Um, because again, what's the value of creating data? I'm, I'm really, this is something I've kind of been struggling with and thinking about, you know, post move, all the stuff I brought with me off old computers. What do I need? What do I really want to keep? Um, I do have the, uh, Adobe, whatever it is, subscription that includes the Adobe cloud and Adobe have a really good app on the phone. And I'm sure there's other ones like it. Um, that is called, uh, Adobe scan. And basically I take pictures of something with my phone. It converts it into PDFs and that is available anywhere. And that's honestly what I use the most. Should I need to digitize anything? Uh, for the most part, the little stuff that I have now, I recycle, you know, all the, you, you get a bill, it comes with one page that's useful, it comes with three pages, an envelope, and yeah. the envelope it came in that you don't need, they'll just go in the recycling straight away. So I've, I've minimized it as much as possible, online billing for the things where, where it makes sense. I, I'm not sure about you, I kind of have some, some issues with online billing. If I use one bank, one app, it's great. But I absolutely hate going to online billing where I now have to go to their website to get a bill. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Send, <laughs> send me the bill. Send me the bill. Email me the bill. You know, I, I, I know it's got my phone number on it. I'm fine with that. Don't put anything important on it. But I don't really care who, who gets that information. You can, you can come up with a way in this day and age to make sure that it's legit. But me having to go to somebody else's website and log in and download and uh, it's it's the barrier for me drives me nuts. So in a lot of cases, I still get some of that paper, mm -hmm. paper work, uh, just because I'm too lazy to to go through that process of once a month. Go, you know, it, it's not like they just even say, here's your balance. Go and pay your visa bill. No, it's go no, on. you have to go in and look at it and then go to your other bank and figure out how to pay it. It's frustrating. So yeah, I'm still, if, if I don't need it in a data, in a data form, I don't use it. Uh, I don't scan it. I don't do anything with it unless I really have to. Uh, because again, as we talked about, it's something that you've got to manage, you've got to store, you've got to figure out what formats it is in. Uh, some days, you know, PDFs are the worst. Uh, some days, Adobe won't open it some days. Uh, the other one, I think I've got PDF pen on here that won't open it just back and forth. It's just crazy. So yeah, here's, here's one for you. You can do that in notes. Oh yeah. That's a new thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it was a couple of releases ago. I think uh, you can pretty much scan any document into notes mm -hmm. and it will uh, save as a PDF for you. Ah, what can, what can I say? I've got workflows built in routines. I'm sure old. if it works too, <laughs> don't fix it. No, it's, it's uh, tasking things is for me to teach Claire how to use notes on her iPhone to scan these things in. <laughs> um, that billing thing that, that you're talking about there, uh, FedEx is the big one for me. 
So um, I don't use FedEx, uh, or Nero's doesn't use FedEx as a carrier anymore. Uh, we use UPS. But um, suppliers, manufacturers sometimes use FedEx, and then FedEx will pay uh, customs duties importing stuff and then send us a bill. And as you pointed out, I can have bills two ways. One, uh, I can have a FedEx billing account and I can log on to their, um, their server whenever I sort of remember to do so and go through something that I think is probably a mainframe retasked to work on the internet and is just horrific in terms of user experience. Um, or they can send me bills. I've got, well, just send me bills, please. Can you send them by email? No. Oh. All right, then we'll send bills to Claire, who will then take a really bad photograph of them and uh, what's up them to be. And I will kind of guess what I'm paying for to whom. And recently, just today, she sent me uh, an overdue notice. I went, but I paid that. And so I looked back through my records. Yes, I've paid it. Actually, once I got four or five photos later, ah, I've paid it to the wrong FedEx account because obviously FedEx has got multiple bank accounts in the UK. Why? I don't know. But so now I have to, to go through their website to say, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a drop-down menu of what have we screwed up this time? And, and you select, you know, uh, you've sent a demand for a bill I've already paid, um, and then I send them details of the payer. And then in four to five days, Justin, uh, they will come back to me and say, oops, or, ah, but you, you paid the wrong bank account, or uh, who knows what they'll pay. Um, and it's just, <laughs> I've just imagined it. They'll come back in four to five days and said, we've e- emailed the other department and asked them to take a look at it. Mm, yeah, probably. That's, you know, we, we don't have access to that bank account. So anyway, it's, it's just a, such a nonsense. Hmm. Data. It's tough, isn't it? Mm. All right. You got any thoughts on it, Stu? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, this is, this is the benefit of experience. Um, there's often a trade-off to be had here. Uh, data portability is a wonderful concept. Um, that's what really attracted me to things like Obsidian. Um, but there's also, what app do you like using? So um, there is a trade-off between your favorite app and the data portability of that app. You need to do a risk assessment. I know I'm sounding like a compliance officer, but what is the risk? How likely are you to lose access to this data? And the, the point that Justin paid very well earlier is, and how much would it matter if you didn't <laughs> lose access to it? Um, because you're probably storing a whole load of junk you don't need. Um, and could you implement a local backup of an app? So that's what I do with Craft. I, I back it up locally. So everything, that, if Craft were to turn around and say, Stuart, we don't like you anymore. You can't access our servers. I've still got all my data in a format that I can use elsewhere. Excellent. Yeah, I think your point is very valid. Um, and you got to the show notes before me, which is why your point is not my point. <laughs> uh, my my takeaway on this uh, after agreeing with Stu is, as I mentioned, think about the data you're storing and what future value it will have. How will you access it? Uh, you know, if, you, if you're looking at this day and age and you're going to have to buy a floppy disk so you can feed a series of floppy disks into your drive. If you had to do that in the future, whatever that looked like, would you still save whatever it is you're working on right now that you think might be important? You know, we used to share copies of web pages into Evernote back in the day. 
Mm -hmm. What's the point? You can look it up. You can get newer, better, faster information. You know, if you look at those and you be a lot more meaningful about your data, you'll have a much more curated feed, a much more curated data to look after. It'll be more meaningful and less cluttered. So just think about what you're saving. Maybe not save it all. Amen. All right, Sue, where can people find you on the interwebs? Well, even though you won't be on the interwebs because you're flying and traveling and having all that fun. Ah, uh, yes. Well, I mean, I, I'll doubtless still be complaining. Uh, Twitter.com, Stu Lennon. Uh, you can find my lovely stationery at nerosnotes.co.uk. Uh, and you can find my writing on, well, my novel uh, and other bits and pieces at stuartlennon.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Well, the easiest place to find me, justintwyford.com. You can find links to my Twitter, JJ Twyford. Uh, you can find me following puppies and uh, supporting charities, a pumpkin puppy and friends. You know, still getting the, the pump out for them because, uh, you know, I love getting on Twitter now. It's, it's weird, Stu. Getting on Twitter and looking at happy pictures of dogs just makes me smile. So funny. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at j.j.twyford. Uh, there you can see my life up in rural Canada. If you have any comments for us, we really do love listener feedback, even if it does create a whole new bunny trail for us to go down. Uh, Stationeradjacent at gmail.com. All right. Uh, can you do us a favor? Please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast, Catch Your Choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Well, we're off for a week next week. Stu's traveling, so we will take a break and then we will be back with our next topic of managing backups, which I think will flow nicely from all that data that we've just identified, Stu. Indeed it will. All right. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.